Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this show with no current working title. Now, I am in the process of brainstorming. I've been going through medical Reddit to find good shit posts and good puns to think how can I come up with a good title. And I've been brainstorming. I have a few ideas, but I'm taking this very, very seriously because, because I believe that a good title and a good cover art is one of the most, imp- well, two of the most important things about a podcast. Now, obviously, you need to have very good content so people actually like listening to and will get them to continue listening to. But who's going to click on a podcast with a boring ass generic title and a really, really bad cover art? No one. So, you know, that's what well, that's what I'm trying to do. But I've been brainstorming, as I just said. Um, let me share with you some of the potential names I've come up with. Uh, some of them pretty broad, like pretty boring, but some of them, it, some, some of them could be it. Uh, so like, firstly, this one is called Learning Curve as the main title and the subtitle is Diary of a Med Student. Um, I quite like that. It like, you see it and you know what it is, but another one is called Imposter Syndrome. Um, I was so proud of myself when I came up with this because like, this is an experience anyone can relate because like when you go into any place with a lot of smart people or like people who are very good at what they do, like med school or like, I don't know, working in Google or something, you are going to feel like you don't belong there. Like everyone's super smart and they earn their place, but you are just there for some reason out of sheer luck and you're going to get caught one way or another. Um, but I've discussed this with a few people who said that uh, this show won't be about imposter syndrome. It won't be about specifically like how to overcome imposter syndrome. It won't be about, you know, if I did a podcast at, at like an interview show and me as someone who don't know really about anything and I interview a bunch of experts, that could be a good title. But since this is mostly just going to be me monologuing, maybe not, but I might. I might choose in the end. Um, another one is called not in it for the money. Now, and the not is going to be in brackets. So it could be not in it for the money or it could be in it for the money. And it's funny because we're talking about being doctors and in pop culture, doctors is the money-making machine. It is the career where it prints money. Now, obviously, anyone who actually becomes a doctor are not in it for the money. Like, you got to be like, people are going to say, oh, I like to help people. I like science. I like to problem solve, which are true, which are all true. But money is a nice bonus as much as no one likes to admit. You also, you're also going into a very big debt and you're also working your butt off. So anyone who just likes money ain't going to be a doctor, but I went way off course not in it for the money, one of the titles, maybe, maybe not, we'll see. Um, the last one is called High Yield Trash Talk, um, because for those of you who don't know, high yield is a uh, phrase dished around a lot, maybe too much by med students, um, in relation to resources and notes in textbooks. So if you say uh, like a textbook is very high yield, that means It is very short, like one paragraph containing all the essential informations 
that you need to know for that specific unit. So it's called high yield. So there's no extra information that aren't important. Um, yeah, high yield trash talk. Um, these are the more creative ones. I also have a few very normal ones. Like it's like my med school journal or med school therapy, diary of a med student or like too much to learn. I don't know about those. Those are the things that I was, I first wrote down just to get the thinking, get the brainstorming going. So yeah, I'll let you know. I will, you will eventually see this show having a title. I don't think I will actually publish this episode without having a title. So by the time that you hear this, a title is going to be picked and you will know what it is. I am actually, my neck is really suffering in this position. So I'm going to stretch. I'm going to come back. Sitting here and talking is actually very tiring. Who knew? All right, the neck is stretched and we're ready to go. I really need a better office chair. The current chair is the default Unilodge chair and yeah, it's okay. It's got lumbar support at least, but yeah. My dream chair though, side note, my dream chair is the Herman Miller Aeron. I think that's what it's called. Look it up for yourselves. It is absolutely insane. Pretty sure it costs $2,500 or something ridiculous, but it is everything on that thing is adjustable and it's got this absolutely premium mesh thing. Just looking at it makes my spine feel better. But yeah, one day, maybe. Um, just imagine I got that thing in my office and imagine the consultation that's going to come with me sitting in that chair, bro. Absolutely insane. Productivity boosted 2,000%. But yeah, okay, let's get started with this first episode bullshit. Now, who am I? So my name is Zach. Nice to meet you all. I just graduated from the Australian National University for a Bachelor of Health Science. And next year, going back in the same uni, ANU, that's what it's called for those of you who aren't in Australia, um, going into the Australian National University Medical School. Now, why did I start this podcast? What is it going to be about? Short answer, absolutely no idea. I'm thinking it's, it's a combination of few things centered around my life in the next four years and beyond. Uh, but for now, I don't got time to think about that and, and beyond part. I'm just scared shitless for medical school. So I need a outlet and here it is. Now this podcast, I feel like a quarter of it, I know what I'm going to do. So we all know the Feynman method, right? So basically if you want to learn something really well, you have to be able to explain it in very simple terms to a friend who don't know, who don't study what you study or for, or to explain very complicated concepts to a five-year-old so that they understand. And I want this podcast to be the one of those things where every week, some of the big content that I learn in school, I want to be able to just sit down and basically organize everything in my mind and digest whatever information that's like hurling in my mind right now. And yeah, this is going to be one of the, th the things. And otherwise, general thoughts, my thoughts on the world, not very valuable, but 
Yeah, yeah. My my main goal is definitely just to take up useless uh, server space on the internet and expand uh, the total amount of content on the internet. That's it. But I thought I'd start with how I got into med school. Because like back before I got in, back before, way back in high school, which is three years ago, this is one of the things where I'm just like constantly Googling. I am on the med school Reddit. I am on all sorts of forums and talking to people being like, yo, how did you get in, man? It looks so hard. And to be perfectly honest, I feel like I'm pretty fucking lucky that I got in. And it's not just like, oh, I got imposter syndrome or like I'm being humble or anything. No, no, you don't understand. If I, I feel like if certain things didn't happen, I wouldn't be here being like, yeah, I got into med school. I'll probably like still trying to find a job in like somewhere. It's like, I, yeah, because I just graduated, right? And I feel like I'm not mature enough to work a job. I feel like I still belong in school, which is a very weird feeling because like, Pretty sure people my age have already been working in adult jobs for a while now, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, anyway, so the Australian med school system is probably similar around the world, I'd say, at least in like the UK and stuff. Uh, there's undergrad medicine and then there's postgrad medicine. I don't know why I'm explaining this to y'all. I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, you know the difference. I don't know why I'm mansplaining everything. But for those of you, for the 1% of you who don't know, undergraduate medicine basically means as soon as you graduate high school, you go into medical school. Some examples in Australia here, probably like Griffith, uh, Bond, University of New South Wales, those things are undergrad. And then there's postgrad. So postgrad basically means that you do a bachelor's degree at a university first, and then you apply to get into med school. A uh, postgrad example for my uni, uh, Australian National University, University of Melbourne, University of Sydney, those things all do postgrad. Uh, with postgrad, um, well, actually, let's talk about undergrad first because I knew I, w- I wanted to do medicine uh, when I was in year 11 and 12, and I did the IB, International Baccalaureate. And so it, that's basically international high school system that's different from the Queensland system where I was. And I did that. I knew I was going to med school. So I put a crap ton of time into studying high school. However, there's also an extra test that high school graduates who want to go into med, med school do. It's called the UCAT. And it's sort of an aptitude test where it, it doesn't really test on anything that you do in high school. No science skills or anything like that. Uh, it's mainly like pattern recognition and like situation, what's it called, like testing your emotional intelligence, I guess. A lot of abstract thinking, basically, and like reading comprehension and all that. It's got five sections. I hated that. And I hated that. And that's why I literally put, I didn't, I didn't really put that much effort in it. Like I knew I wasn't good at it. So I, I actually signed up to a course to help me get better, but because I just, I didn't like it. So I tried to put effort in it and I did put effort in it. And yeah, <laughs> it, it, I got a decent mark. I got uh 2750, which is okay. Um, but pretty sure most people 
who are actually competitive get around 2,900 to 3,000. That's an actually competitive score. I'm pretty sure I... So my score was in the top 16th percentile. And to be able to actually be competitive in an interview, uh, you probably need to get in a top 10th percentile, at least top 15 to top 10, top 10th percentile. So yeah, it was okay. My ATAR, on the other hand, is also decent, but it's not decent enough to get into undergrad medical school. High school undergrad med is so competitive. Like, it's competitive all around. But for a high school kid, the amount of pressure that you feel when you're doing all this and knowing that there's so many smart people all around Australia, it's just, it's enormous pressure. And yeah, it, it, it was a lot. I, I literally don't think I had any time to do anything else at that time. Like, I was basically studying i was going to school i was coming back every single day i was doing studying for four hours and stuff so yeah uh in ib i was definitely aiming for 45 and 45 was basically the highest score that you can get so 45 is equal to a atar 99.95 and for those of you who aren't in australia an atar 99.95 is the highest so it's like guaranteed that you are in. Uh, but for IB, I was estimated, like my, what's it called, mock exam at the end, I got a 44, which is pretty, it's pretty good. However, something happened, and that thing is mathematics. What do I mean by that? Well, IB math, I, t- I took the standard level IB math, and all throughout the two years, year 11 and year 12, I did very, very well. I was doing, getting seven out of seven for basically everything. And I was like, I felt like, bro, I was at the top of the world. I was like, mathematics is easy as hell. And two weeks before the final IB exam. So the IB exam is written by centralized in some place. I think it's like in Switzerland or something, somewhere in Europe. They write it and then they basically send it it out. So your school don't make that exam. So... I was on the IB Reddit and I downloaded some IB past papers just to prepare for the exam, right? What happened was I opened the math exam and I was like, I was in shock (laughs) because I couldn't do anything in that thing. And I was like, bro, surely this is a mistake. Surely this is a high level math and not the standard level that I'm going to be taking. But no, 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 no. It is standard level. And later, I figured out the reason. You know what's the reason? Because (laughs) in my school, everyone's math, like the average level math was so bad (laughs) that my teacher basically dumbed down all the exams to like down a notch like and simplified it to actually get the average score of our class to look like an average score, you know? So the whole of two years, we did the easy version. And a final exam came. I got basically seven out of seven for the all the two years. And then I got a six out of seven for the finals. Yeah. It's very sad. It's a very sad story. And I got another six out of seven in English, which like that six out of seven is good. I was so proud of myself for getting that. I was getting like English 
in my high school. In high school was the biggest comeback story ever. I started off getting like 30%, 40% on my assignments and I was dying. It was so bad. We were basically IB English is all like very, very analytical, a lot of close reading, a lot of poetry, a lot of like analyzing stuff. And I've never done that before ever. So I was literally on the verge of death. However, my IB English teacher is such a G and he has a way of teaching that is just, it draws you in. And I hated English my whole life. But as soon as he started teaching, I love that shit. So I started actually getting into like poetry and stuff. And in the end, I got a six out of seven. I went from like four. I was, I went from four out of seven to six out of seven at the end of the, at the end of the IB. Yeah. So I ended up getting a 42 out of 45 instead of 44 or 45, which I wanted. And my 42 out of 45 is equal to an ATAR of 99.25. Now, for those of you who don't know ATAR, you might think 99.25. You said 99.95 is the highest. So surely this is like literally as close to the highest as you can get, right? Nah, <laughs> like 99.25 is still amazing. Don't get me wrong. For any other degree, if you get above a 99, you are, there's just, it's, it's guaranteed. You're in, bro. But for medicine, you, you basically have to get a 99.95 or a 99.85 to guarantee you getting in. Otherwise, it's very, very difficult because <laughs> you'll just be competing with every other smart person in the whole of Australia. So yeah, um, I got that score. So 99.25 for my ATAR. I got 27.50 for my UCAT. And those two scores are basically combined to apply for universities and they decide to send you interviews based on that. And yeah, boy, didn't get a single one. So that was that. Fun fact though, I thought it would be fun to apply for a bunch of unis in the UK. So I actually applied to Oxford and a bunch of UK med schools. Obviously, Oxford didn't want me, but the Uni University of Bristol over in England actually sent me a invite for an interview. And like, yeah, I didn't, end I didn't end up going because for a bunch of reasons. So like University of Bristol, it's a good uni, but it's in the UK and there's definitely so many universities in Australia that's equally as good as the UK, as specifically Uni University of Bristol. And it is, it'll be absolutely a pain to live over there because like I have to afford all of the living costs and the whole degree has to be paid like full as well. So it's going to be, I think we calculated to be 300 to 400 grand for the whole degree. Yeah. Something like that. Crazy shit. So yeah, it didn't end up going. And also like same as Australia, after you graduate from med school, obviously you need to do internship and pretty sure in the UK, um, domestic students get preference for internships. So I might not even get an internship in the UK. So I might have to end up coming back to Australia to do my internship and I will have to find it myself as well. So it'll just be a pain. So it was, it wasn't Oxford. Oxford wasn't meant to be, you know, her loss, but I'm just kidding. I had absolutely no chance of getting it. But anyway, I kind of knew, I, I, well, I didn't know 
I wasn't going getting into undergraduate med, but I was fully preparing for me not getting in. So I was looking at a bunch of alternative degrees that I can do uh, other than undergraduate medicine. So I think the top two that I was considering, one was the ANU, Bachelor of Health Science that I just did. Another one is in University of Melbourne, the Bachelor of Medi- Biomedicine. Now for, let's talk about the ANU one first. So ANU Bachelor of Health Science, basically it's a combined sort of public health and science sort of degree. It's like combination of public health and medical science. Now the benefit of this degree is that it's sort of a pathway to ANU's medical school. So 30, not 30%, 30 people in my degree uh, will get a direct offer into ANU Medical School. Now, 30 people is around 50% of the cohort. So my degree has, I think, 60 to 65 people. Yeah, so 30 people will get straight into ANU Med School. And how this works is that at the end of the second year, so this is a three-year degree. So at the end of the second year, everyone is eligible to do an interview. And uh, so one of them is you do an interview and they also look at your GPA and they also look at a personal statement that you have. So it's a combination of a CV outlining all sorts of, you know, activities that you did and a sort of an essay uh, saying that why I want to get into medicine. And so these three things combined together will let them decide who get a direct offer into ANU Med School. The benefit of this is that you don't have to do GAMSAT. And later we'll talk about GAMSAT because I took that shit three times and it was the least fun thing ever in the world. But yeah, this is one of the things. Um, another thing I was looking at is University of Melbourne. So I got a ATAR 99.25, as you will remember. And for anyone getting above an ATAR 99, you will basically do the Bachelor of Biomedicine in Melbourne. Pretty sure it's the same thing. You also get an interview at the end of your degree um, to decide whether you can go straight into Melbourne med school. However, different from the ANU one, if you get into the Melbourne med school this way, you will be a f- domestic full fee person, so full fee student. Uh, the difference is that the degree in ANU is Commonwealth supported. So basically most degrees in Australia, if you go into uni, is called a Commonwealth supported place basically means that the government is helping you to pay a huge chunk of your tuition fee. So if you go the Melbourne pathway and you become a full fee student, you're probably going to have to pay, I'm pretty sure it's 100 grand or 200 grand or 300, something like that. It's definitely in the six figures. So it it was a lot. So I thought that, nah, nah, I'm I'm probably, I'm going to ANU. And so, yeah, here I am. And... If you don't go either of these pathways, there's probably even more unis that do direct pathway between their bachelor's and their med school. But most people, if they don't get into undergrad medicine and they still want to get into medicine, they go to postgraduate route. And just for your information, the way to do postgraduate medicine is you do any bachelor's degree. Um, you can do anything. You can do bachelor's arts of languages or science or anything all you have to do is you have to get a really good gpa in whatever degree that you did you also need to take the gamsat the infamous gamsat now the gamsat 
put it simply, is one of the most horrible things that a 20-year-old can endure. It is a six-hour exam. It is split in three sections, and it tests basically your language ability, like the, the ability of you articulating your thoughts uh, through a bunch of reading comprehension questions and very quick essay writing questions, and your ability to learn science. So there's going to be some university level biology, chemistry, and physics questions. I took that exam three times because you're actually allowed to take that exam unlimited number of times until you get a, a score that you, that you think is competitive. Um, it's, it's quite expensive as well. So each time you take that exam, it's $550. And yeah, to be honest, I, I was in at uni at that time. So you basically, most people take this, this exam two years to a year before they graduate. And then they take the score to apply for uh, postgraduate medicine or most, a lot of people even like work full-time work for a while. And then they take this, this exam as they work and then they finally get a competitive score and they, yeah, they go into med school with that score. So yeah, um, I put an okay amount of effort in it. All three times I actually just went in blind, like went in <laughs> without actually studying that much and uh let me think what i got so a really good mark as i said as the same as ucat before is if you get into the top 10 percentile that means you have a re you have a decent chance and then as you go closer to the top one percent obviously the chances go higher but i got a uh, so there's three sections the first two section is about your english skills the last one is about um, science and they actually weigh the same in official GAMSAT terms. So um, the first two sections is equal to the third section. However, some unis actually weigh each section the same. So science will only end up covering a third and then, well, the first two sections will, will cover up two thirds. And in the first time I did it, right, I got pretty, pretty ass in my English section, and I got absolutely mind-blowingly amazing in the science section. Like, how amazing? I was in, like, the top 0.3% in the science section. She was insane, and I did zero studying. That's the thing. I did zero studying, and I got so good, but because I got so average in the English one, it pulled me from the top... Uh, 0.3 percentile in the science section into like the top three percentile it was just still good it's still good don't get me wrong but it, it it's a bit disappointing and the way i said top three percentile is i calculated by weighing the science and english section equally but if i don't weigh equally if i just take the average of the three sections i drop down even further i'll only be in like i think the top seven or eight percentile yeah i got pretty ass and yeah, and then I took it the next time at the... So the first time I take, took it was in the in my first... In my, in my second year, in the first semester of my second year, I took one and I took another one in the second semester of my second year. And at that time, I improved in my English section, actually, but I dropped down from my science section. So science section went from absolutely amazing to okay, to, to good. So I got okay marks on all three of my sections. So basically, even each other out, 
it wasn't even as good as the first one. And I did it a third time in the first semester of my third year. And it still wasn't as good. <laughs> so yeah, the first time I went in absolutely blind, I got the best mark. That's my story. Um, the, my GAMSA score wasn't absolutely competitive. But here's the thing. I didn't actually need my GAMSAT because I got in th directly through the ANU pathway. So as I said before, uh, we got an interview at the end of my second year. At the start of the third year, we got the email and basically I got into medicine. So that's that. And I, yeah, the, the reason why I said I was so lucky is because I feel like I started off uni very, very hopeful. And by hopeful, I mean like, this is going to be the time where I get to spend all of my time studying exclusively subjects that I like, as opposed to high school, I have to do like business and like philosophy and all that stuff, which like, I'm, I wasn't that interested in. So like now I get to do like science and science and science, and that's all I'm going to be doing. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be spending so much time. I'm going to be writing the best notes ever. And I'm going to be like doing flashcards and all that. And I'm going to be the most knowledgeable person ever. I don't think I turned out to be that, to be 100% honest. Like, I started off uni so motivated, and then COVID happened within the first three weeks of uni start starting, and everything shut down, and I had to actually move home. So, my uni is in Canberra, and I had to move back home to Queensland because, well, you were just staying home anyway and doing online classes. So, I went from, like, super motivated in the first three weeks to, like, like, sitting in the bed and wake like getting up at like 12 in lunchtime and yeah it, it wasn't a good time so I feel like I didn't actually put that much effort into studying um but I still got a decent GPA which is which was good enough to get me into ANU med so yeah so that's that's basically how I got into med school um obviously it was very exciting um I'm definitely super nervous and ANU Med School has pretty good communication in terms of the med school admissions. So I was thinking the next section of this podcast, I'm going to go through what I have to do before starting medical school. So I went through what I did to get in. And now after you receive the offer, what happens? So I received the offer at the start of the third year, which is so good about this degree because halfway through your degree, you get certainty as to whether or not you've, you've got into medical school. And they made the third year basically having a bunch of electives and that you can basically take whatever subject you like and you only have to get above a GPA of 5.6, GPA of 5.6 uh, to maintain that conditional offer, which isn't a lot at all. So you basically have the freedom to learn whatever you want without the pressure of maintaining like an absolutely amazing grade. So yeah, that's what I did. And so what I have to do before study, uh, before starting the degree, the most important thing to do before starting med school, I'm pretty sure it, it, it's definitely the case for everywhere else, including probably internationally as well, is that you have to do a bunch of blood testing and uh, verify that you have your vaccines up to date uh, in terms of like a bunch of viruses and stuff um, and signing a bunch of forms and stuff, you know, so... For example, um, for my, for ANU, right? Let's go through this together. So you, you'll basically, ANU will give you a booklet 
and that booklet will cover everything that you have to do before studying, before starting. Uh, I think the biggest thing before starting is to go to your GP for me and just say, yo, I got into med, congratulate me, whatever. Now I have to do my blood test. So the main thing, the main sort of blood test that you have to do is one, hepatitis. So basically a bunch of bloodborne viruses. So hepatitis B, hep C and HIV. So uh, your GP will basically refer you to a, a pathology place and they'll basically take your blood and check if you have all of these. Um, another thing other than bloodborne viruses is tuberculosis, so TB. And you'll also do a blood test in that same sitting and it'll basically say, do you have TB? Pretty sure most people won't. So there's a list of instructions to do if you actually do have one of these and you test positive. Um, yeah, pretty sure most people don't. So that was a crazy blood testing section, session actually. Like my GP prescribed me, not prescribed, referred me to bloodborne virus test, TB tests, uh, and you have to test vaccines as well. So I got tested hep B vaccine, measles, mumps, um, chicken pox and all that. I got tested a bunch. Bro took like six vials of blood out of me. I was so dehydrated by the end. Like crazy. It was six vials, man. Like it just kept on going. And by the end, my literal veins had no blood to give and we still hadn't filled up that six vials. So the, the person had to like press on that shit so hard to get more blood out of it. It was fun though. Um, yeah. So you did all these blood testing and if you have like antibodies for vaccines that like disappeared, you'll probably have to get some booster shots. So for example, for me, I didn't even know. I've been walking around this place without uh, immunity to measles and without immunity to chickenpox. And I've just been walking around society like an absolute menace. But yeah, after that blood test, I got those booster shots and you have to go back to your GP and your uni will probably give you a form to, for the GP to sign. And you'll basically give them evidence of historical vaccines that you've taken, like you've taken a hep B vaccine when you were four years old or like chickenpox when you were like two or something. Um, if you are born in Australia, everything will just be on your Medicare website. If you go into MyGov and go into Medicare and log into, uh, pretty sure there was a place, there was a button just to see all of your proof of vaccinations. Print that out, bring it to your GP and that's done. It'll be quite tricky if you're born overseas though. So for example, I'm also quite lucky because I'm, I was born overseas and um, my parents actually kept all of my, uh, the original copy of my vaccines. So when I moved to Australia for high school, I'm pretty sure it's my high school. They basically like took all of my um, overseas copy and they just like enter them all into Medi Medicare. So now I log into Medicare and I, it's just all there. It's crazy good. <laughs> yeah. If you go into overseas, so like I, I know a friend who's born into, born overseas, uh, they don't really have any evidence of them who had the vaccine. So what they have to do, right? You have to do a bunch of antibody tests to see if you have the vaccine and that most vaccines alone, that alone is enough. But, um, Otherwise, you might have to get some booster shots as well.
So for example, if you do like a mumps test and then it shows no mumps antibodies, you'll have to get that booster shot. Um, yeah, other than that though, a bunch of forms from, because I'm based in Canberra, so ACT Health and New South Wales Health has a bunch of forms just to declare that you did the TB test and it was negative and yada, yada, yada. Um, otherwise, for ACT, you have to get a working with vulnerable people registration as well to, so that you can work with children and work with um, you know, people living with disability. You also have to get a national police check. You have to provide proof of citizenship. Um, oh, and another important thing is that you have to have a first aid and CPR certification done pretty short a year before at least, um, start, starting your degree. So you've had to do that in your own time. So just Google any sort of first aid place. Um, however, you have to make sure that the course that you did, it matches the course that they want you to do. Um, I don't think that it's that tight though. So as long as you do first aid and CPR, you're fine. Um, other than that, you have to have COVID vaccines. COVID vaccines right now, you no longer, you have to have three doses. So three doses the two initial doses and one booster is considered to be fully vaccinated for medical students and health workers. Normal people, they don't give a fuck. But for, yeah, for if, you, if you're going to go into medical school, at least for now, you have to have three doses of COVID vaccines. And you, every single year, you have to get the flu vaccine as well. Um, so these are sort of the things uh, that you have to do before... Uh, going into med school so these are like absolutely essential so before starting o week you have to have these things otherwise they will chase you down and make you do it my throat is hurting really bad so let me just get a bit of water i'll be right back so the next section let's talk about what i'm expecting med school to be like bro i am terrified and I feel like it's it's just going to be so different because the first thing that I heard about for med school after I got added into the Facebook group is basically the schedule. Now, I didn't know that ANU, at least ANU med school, I'm pretty, it's probably the same for all the other med schools. Med students run on a completely different schedule than all the other kids. We get way less holidays. <laughs> Pretty sure, like, right now, right, uh, in the summer, in in the summer, in Australia, which is in Christmas time, in December, in January and February, uh, normal students get at least two to three months of holidays. So, normally, uh, uni will end on the start or the mid-November, and you have November, December, January, and then uni start the last week of February. So, three or more months of break for the summer. This was something I was really looking forward to when I graduated high school, actually. And I got to enjoy three of them, which is pretty good. But uh, yeah, med school is nothing like that. If you look at the calendar, uh, for the first year, instead of start starting at the end of February, uh, us first years will start at the end of January. But if you look at other years, some years, I think it was like third or fourth year, you start at the start of January. So all you get is one month in December. That's it. You go December, you get Christmas, New Year's, back to the freaking hospital. We go. So yeah, you got way less breaks. I'm pretty sure 
mid-semester as well instead of getting i have to check the calendar but my feeling was that i think instead of getting like normally you get one and a half to two months um you only get like three two or three weeks in the winter so in july and uh july june and july ish yeah you get basically you get way less um breaks which is fine which is fine like normally during holidays i just end up feeling like i'm not doing anything and like if the holiday goes on too much i just feel like i'm ready to start school again and then when school start again i feel like i'm ready for holidays and we just keep on going with this exciting cycle of life but the reason why i'm scared right is because I feel like I can no longer spend minimum effort in uni anymore because look I'm going to be honest we I just I just said when I first started uni in the first two weeks I was so bloody motivated I was like get writing handwritten notes on my iPad I was doing everything I could do I was like setting up this notion thing and I was like doing flashcards every day after and I was like starting assignments months before it was due i was like researching the end semester assignment in the first week of uni what up where did that zach go bro but yeah <laughs> and then COVID started we all got locked in our houses and pretty sure i don't think anyone i don't think i think 90 percent of the students ended up like burnt out because like all you do is you sit in front of a computer, you go on Zoom, and then you sit in front of a computer for more for to watch a lecture recording, and then you sit in front of a computer, all in the same space, not talking to anyone else. You're locked inside your, your your own house, and so yeah, COVID was like the first two years of my uni, and then gradually we like I went about I basically lived back on campus starting the actually the second half of the first year even though not like most classes are still online i went back and then so yeah i i got to actually get to like get to be in some places in person but the thing is right um i found a job uh during my second year and my job was working at the apple store and because apple like they have a pretty strict scheduling thing so to be able to work part-time you have to have at least four days out of seven days free available and most often they're not they schedule you on for all four days so i was basically working four days a week which is almost a full-time job it's almost five days a week and i was doing full-time uni so my productivity went way down because like when i was finished work i was standing all day i was talking to people all day my social battery is drained my my battery is drained period and all I want to do, go home, is literally just to lay on the couch and watch some YouTube. That is all I want to do. No time for studying. Uh-uh. Absolutely not. And I feel like if I was spending, like, at least eight hours a day studying back before I got a job, after I got a job, I would be lucky if I spent an hour, <laughs> at least on the days I work. On the days I don't work, I still go to class and stuff, but Yeah. I'm glad I, like, it was a, it was an absolutely amazing job. Everyone was absolutely lovely at work. It was, yeah. I was, I was also working to my favorite brand in the world. So, like, what's to complain about, you know? But, yeah. Academic-wise, 
wasn't a good time. It wasn't a good time at all. So yeah, I was, I started off getting full HDs, you know, first year, second year, and then second, the second semester of second year, that shit went downhill. Like I also took some hard courses as well. Like for my electives, I was taking all high level biology courses. I was taking like advanced genetics and ecology and all that stuff. But but yeah, like that I went from like getting all HDs to getting a couple of Ds, um, which is fine. But at that time, I didn't know if I was going to get into medicine or not. So I need to actually keep my GPA competitive. So I was quite sad that I got a couple of Ds. And in the end, it proved that those distinctions were my demise in applying for other med school. So yeah, side note, because I took the GAMSAT anyway, even after I got into the ANU med school, I was like, you know what? I have the grades. I'm just going to apply again. So, but I didn't get into anything, (laughs) but like I didn't apply for that many schools though. I only applied for two. I only applied for three med schools. I applied for University of Melbourne, University of Sydney, um, and University of Queensland as well. That's it. I didn't get any offer though, which is fine, but that's what happened. (laughs) And yeah, what was I saying? Oh, I was talking about studying. So Studying, which means that I have to adjust myself for barely scraping through uni with, you know, minimal studying of content. Basically, all of my work that I put through in my latter half of my degree was doing assignments. I wasn't actually studying. I was studying around two to three weeks before exams. That's all the studying that I do. And that's absolutely like terrible because I don't remember anything. And I feel like I went through these three years. Obviously, I learned something, but I, I just feel like it was it's not nearly as enough. And which will not be the case for med school at all. You actually have to learn stuff in med school because it actually matters. One day, you will be in the emergency room by yourself the only uh, doctor that is on call and something's going to happen and you're going to be like, fire out. I know that this was this one unit in med school and I don't fucking remember because because I didn't fucking study. And I don't want that to happen to me. So, <laughs> and also, I'm pretty sure in med school, at least for ANU, all of the, uh, the final exams are like 100% of your marks. So you have to learn solidly throughout the semester to be able to take those exams. So yeah, I need these four years are going to be knowledge that I need to remember throughout my life. So I yeah, I need to study. So I'm back in my phase where I go on YouTube and search up, you know, Ali Abdul and Karma Medic and all that, you know, how to study for med school, how to most effectively, you know, memorize active recall and spaced repetition and all that. I'm gonna be start doing it now. I right now I am incredibly motivated, same as as I was when I was first stepping into uni. So, we will see. We will see if this motivation persists, um, which is why I'm nervous because, yeah, this brain needs to be turned on during med school. Yeah. Oh, another fun fact is that, um, so, in Australia, there's two different types of, uh, like, places in that you get to go into med school so one as i mentioned before is called a commonwealth supported place so the government pays for your tuition fee well a large portion of it 
Another thing is what I actually have. I don't have a Commonwealth supported place. I have what is called a bonded medical place, which means that the government still pays a portion of your medical fee on the condition that you basically serve in a rural community. You basically work in a rural community within the 18 years that you graduate medical school and you have to serve at least three years. So within the 18 years, you have to uh, work three years in a rural community, which is absolutely fine. Like I hear a lot of like, especially kids from the city. Well, I'm from the city, but because of community being like, this is terrible. I don't want to work in a place with zero infrastructure, but you know, it's going to be definitely, it's definitely going to be different from what I heard, uh, working as a doctor in a rural community, you get a lot more responsibility. And because the population per doctor is more in rural communities, and uh, you definitely see more variety of things. So you, it'll definitely train you to be a better doctor. So I'm actually excited for that. Um, I have no idea when I'm going to go, like pretty sure you can either just go straight to a rural community to serve your residency and stuff, or you can go after you actually become a proper doctor, proper consultant. I'm leaning towards going after I become a consultant so I can actually go and, and I will know what I'm actually doing and I won't be like a little fucking little resident and being like, I don't know anything and I'm just going to be panicking and stuff and there's going to be zero support and I'm just going to be like freaking out. I don't want that to happen. So right now I'm leaning towards going after I become a proper doctor. Yeah, so I'm quite nervous. It's definitely going to be exciting because I'm ready to stuff my brain full of knowledge. I'm ready to utilize all of my notion templates and all of my all of my Anki like flashcard stuff, all the the stuff that I downloaded from med school, Reddit, and all of these resources. Yeah, nah, I'm ready. Um, what I know so far about ANU Medical School, from what I heard, pretty good. Like one of the benefits, I'm pretty sure, is that um. My medical school, ANU, it's going to have one of the smallest cohorts in Australia. We're only pretty sure it's like a hundred kids doing it. it. It's definitely one of the smaller ones. So you're going to be getting a lot of like more sessions where like just small group learning. Um, from what I heard, most uh, the most important thing of like at least the first two years in ANU Med, it's going to be what they call PBL. It's called problem-based learning sessions. So you go into small groups and you get split up and they give you like a case study and then you just discuss and learn from the case study. So that could be pretty exciting. And um, starting from the very first year, actually, you're going to have one day a week in the hospital, which could be so fun. Um, yeah, so first two years is largely like lectures and stuff. So you actually know what you're talking about. And then the three, third and fourth year are entirely in the hospital, which I th I'm pretty sure that's the case with most medical schools. And because this is a master level degree, you actually need to produce some research. <laughs> so yeah, the degree is called MCHD. So it's, it's a doctor of medicine and surgery. Um, as opposed to MBB at, wait, is it MBBS? Yeah, but there's like a bachelor's level degree compared to like MBBS versus MD. So one's technically bachelor's level and one is like master's level, but they're both 
they're basically the same. They're the same. If you go anywhere with either of these, either of these degrees, you're a doctor. And, but because this is a master level, you actually do your own research. So pretty sure you have to do a research project during your first two years. And it has to be original research. I have no fucking idea what I'm going to be doing. Like, what are you supposed to do? I feel like I don't know any skills <laughs> that I can do for research. So that is one of the uncertainties that I'm like semi-nervous about. So we'll see what they do, but I'll definitely be updating my this thing through the podcast but like like what what am i going to even do like am i going to get real people like real people subjects because if that's the case i would love to study the effect of like a specific effect of vaping and nicotine or something in terms of like brain function or something like that but i feel like that's just going to be so much work you're going to have to fill out all these ethics forms and recruit people and make sure like the, the participants that you recruit don't have any sort of bias at all. You know, like that's a lot. So maybe I, I think I would prefer just to do lab work. However, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in the lab. I took a few first year chemistry course. I took a few biology course, but I took genetics. And genetics wasn't even in the lab. The whole genetic course in, in the third year, we were on the computer. We were using databases and stuff. I got no idea what I'm going to be doing in the lab. Although I would love to, I would love to work in the lab. But, uh, but yeah, I'm nervous about this, man. So we'll see, we'll see how this goes. I'm definitely going to be asking questions in O week. And so, yeah, another exciting thing though, that I heard about is the clinical, it's not clinical placements technically, because you're still in med school, but in the end, in the last year, so at the beginning of the fourth year, um, you can actually go, well, you, not you can, I, I'm pretty sure everyone goes, you go to a worldwide location of your choice to have, to have an elective term. That's so cool. It says, I'm reading, I'm just reading this on the, on the booklet. You're, you're going to be studying from like rural Scotland to metropolis, China. How good is that though? That could be so exciting. So yeah, that's the start of four here. So we're looking forward to that. Um, other than these two locations, there's there's not really a list to what there is. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it is, but that sounds exciting. Um, and ANU Medical School also has a big focus on like health of rural populations. So the first, even from the first two years, you'll actually will actually go have a placement, a week-long placement in one of the rural areas around Canberra. Um, and actually in the third year, it'll be a six-week placement. So get to experience how hospitals run in a rural community, you know, could be exciting. I mean, like, this is as far as, like, they tell you about on the website. So this is, like, as far as you can find out as an outsider. It's a little bit too early, I think, for me to access all of the info as a student on the, like, the student portal. So, no, there's not really that much information for me at the moment. So, I don't really know what to expect. I am in a Facebook group and all we have right now is, like, we know, I know the schedule and not, like, like there's a calendar and I know that I don't, I don't got a lot of breaks and... There also someone posted a poll to organize uh, MedCamp. So MedCamp, 
um, by the looks of it, is like I think all the ANU med med students go to a place and play on the beach and party. Surprisingly, literally every single person that I know in my degree got in. So I don't actually know anyone who didn't get in, and like it's supposed to be half the class that don't get in. So yeah, so I will have, I will know like a lot of people in the new degree, like, because it's like 30 people from my degree and the whole cohort is like a hundred people. So I know, I'll know a decent chunk. And yeah, so basically for us right now, from what I heard is O week will start at the end of January. Well, right at the end. So the January 30th will be O week and O week basically involves like, setting up different kinds of things and getting to know the teachers and stuff. And yeah, and actually the last two days of O week, you'll just go straight into your course content. That's it. You just you you're you're officially in med school. So that is exciting. So I have right now how how long do I have? I have a little more than a month of freedom. And then my entire life will become my entire life, my entire personality will be, will be med student. And that's it. Last, last week, last month of freedom, I'm going to be playing as many games as I can. I'm going to be watching so many different movies and I'm also going to be working. And also I'm quitting my work at Apple like a, literally a day before med school starts. I'm going to be working till the end to get as much money as I can. So after, after, after I quit job, I can still have some money to buy the shit that I like. But enough monologuing. This is this is as much shit as I wanted to say for now. I'll probably see you after the first week of O week to come back and debrief on whatever happened, on how fucking absolutely nervous I will be. I will def- I will be so nervous. Imagine walking into a room full of like the smartest people ever and then having to make friends but it's so exciting as well yeah i'll come back i'll I'll likely see you in a month goodbye people